celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Now, my favorite part of the show is answering your questions. I, of course, I don't answer your questions. Dr. Debbie answers your questions and Joey Villani answers your questions. I just sit here and watch and listen to the answers and I learn so much from these two. Coming up on the show today, this hour, we're going to be talking to Joe Markham. He is the top dog at Kong. You know Kong. Everybody has a Kong. If you're a dog owner, you probably have a Kong. It may not even be a Kong brand, but it may be similar to the Kong. We know this is a great toy to occupy a dog. You put a little peanut butter in there. They can lick it out. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun for them. How did this Kong toy get invented I kind of thought that it was, you know, probably a lot of scientists behind it, uh, looking at shapes and that kind of thing. Trying to find something that they couldn't destroy. Yeah, because it's hard to find something that a dog won't uh, chew up into little pieces. Mm -hmm. Well, you'll be interested to know how the Kong was invented, and you're going to find out this hour with Joe Markham from Kong on Animal Radio. Also on the show today, we're going to put an end to this age-long battle about who is smarter, the dog or the cat. Finally. Because we know it's the cat, right? No, no, no. You're wrong, Hal. We have Josh Fishman. He's the senior editor of Scientific American. He's just written an article about this and has some interesting information for you. Ah. Cat lovers and dog lovers and raccoon lovers. And bears. Oh, my. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Uh, You said you were going to talk with the guy who invented Kongs. Yes. Well, who invented flaky pet parents? Flaky pet parents. Is that a thing? I, I, huh? You know who was responsible for flaky pet parents? Who's that? Their pets. They're... I'll, I'll tell you how this works out, but we're all guilty of this. There's there's new research out, Hal, and it's not in our favor. Can I just say when you put together flaky. a tease, you go overboard. I mean, I am so hooked. <laughs> I, just, I just want to find out what she's talking about. I I'm going to stick around for that. Well, thanks. It's toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. And we go to Nancy. Hi, Nancy. How are you? you got to push the button, Hal. There There, you go. There you go. Hey, Nancy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. Where are you calling from today? I am calling from Beverly Hills, Michigan. There's a Beverly Hills in Michigan? Really? Yes. You didn't know that, did you? Is it anything like the one in L.A.? Yeah, almost, except we don't have palm trees. (laughs) (laughs) So what's going on today? I have the whole team here for you. Well, um, we have um, a German Shepherd, about five years old, and um, during the day, now both of us are gone, and so um, Max is home alone by himself, and we were wondering about getting a companion pet, Mm. either a boy or a girl, and... uh, you know, we, we're not quite sure how to go about this. So we were thinking you might have some suggestions for us. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? You're doing the right thing. You're asking about it first before any kind of impulse um, pet comes around. So, um, so yes, whenever we add a second or even a third dog into the household, really the first thing I do is look at Max. And I would first examine his personality, his social state, and even his activity level. And we, we want to make sure we're looking for a pet that's going to be somewhat compatible to him. Um, but 
but first, you know, we can't take a dog that's, say, dog aggressive and very easily introduce another dog into that situation. So that's the kind of stuff that we're always looking for. So how does he react when he's out in public around other animals? Um, you know, how does he do when he's with a puppy versus an older dog? Um, so that's an important thing to look at and to see if, if he's responded in a positive way in the past. Um, if he's gotten into fights or you've had near misses, it might be a, a moment for you to take a step back and cause, hmm, you know, is this going to be the right situation or do we need to go into this with a little bit more of a, um, a trainer or behaviorist to assist us along the way? Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the first thing. And then activity level, too, is, you know, if we have an older pet that is, um, you know, having mobility issues or that just doesn't do a whole lot, adding in um, a young pup might not be the best solution in every situation. Sometimes it's wonderful and it gives some new life to the old one. Um, but to really look at how that might play out in the household. So um, tell me about Max's situation. How, how is his personality towards other dogs? Well, he's, he's kind of one of those uh, middle-of-the-road sort of pooches where when we walk and pass another pooch, they, they kind of come nose-to-nose. There's a lot of tail wagging, and it's almost like, okay, let's play. And uh, But there hasn't been any um, overt barking or biting or any of that. Okay, um, So good. I'm thinking that uh, another dog would would do well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's that's good. That's encouraging to hear that. Because if we have a pet that has um, unfavorable tendencies or behaviors, sometimes that actually can be picked up by the second dog. So we want to make sure we're not perpetuating, you know, bad, bad behavior. Um, so the real big thing that I would advise you is we do find in general, and this is kind of generalization, I know I'm going to have people mad at me because I'm saying this, but when we introduce a second dog, the best combination tends to be an opposite sex combination. Okay. So if he's a male, you, you're having a best chance of compatibility with a female. Um, well, and I'll tell you that a lot of times people must mistake that getting two female dogs is a good combination that is we call that a bitch fight (laughs) so it's the highest rate of inter-dog household aggression is two female dogs and i've had it to where they actually have to be rehomed because it can be so severe so um so yeah i'd look at a female and then if you're you know adopting wherever you're getting this this potential dog from i would want to make sure you do have the ability to do some visitation to see if they have a good first introduction and if it seems like that might be um, a good match and to do that with supervision, um, either the you know the breeder, or the pet store, or the um, uh, adoptive agency. Usually, we want someone there to read body language just to see if things are looking on the up and up there. Okay, that's a good idea. Sure. Okay. Well, good luck with things. And, yeah. you know, certainly I will tell you that a lot of people think we need to get dogs so that they will stay busy during the day. But if you have a camera on dogs during the day, most of them will be sleeping on a couch. So you'll have one on the chaise lounge, one on the other chair. Um, so, yeah, they, they tend to wait till we get home to, to have their uh, hooligans go in there. Oh, yeah. I'm sure as soon as you shut the door and leave for the day, they're going, okay, we're out of here. Let's have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy, thank you so much for your call. Please send us a picture of your new addition when you find a brother or a sister for Max. I guess it would be a sister for Max, hopefully. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team right now. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by author Helen Brown. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, 
Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a cat who just wanted a home and someone to love. Her website's HelenBrown.com. And thank you, Helen Brown, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, Peggy. Animal Radio. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Where are you calling from? Fresno, California. Fresno, listening on the Kino. Yes, ma'am. I mean, sir. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Debbie's here. How can she help you? I was oh, wondering if I should go ahead and start my kitty on epilepsy medicine, if it would hurt him if he doesn't have it at, at all. All right. Well, what's he doing for you? Well, he, the, my vet uh, took the blood test and all his internal, you know, he's fine. He just started seizing one day, and um, when he gave him the blood test, he had put him out, and that whole day he slept. And he had told me that if he sees, if he has epilepsy, he's going to seize anyway. Either that or it might be a brain something, a brain tumor or cancer, whatever he had said, something to do with the brain. Okay. And without the MRI, he's not going to be able to know. So okay. um, he has seized. This happened on a Friday, on Friday when I took him in. Uh, his seizures have lessened, but he's like he just had one a half an hour ago. So should I go oh, ahead gosh. and start him on that? How, how often is he having them? Well, before he went, he was put out. He was having three to four a day. Okay. Wow, that's a lot. I know. So I was okay. really scared, and he told me that if he doesn't have epilepsy, the, the medicine isn't going to hurt him. But then if, he, if, it, uh, um, if that doesn't work, then it's probably his, in his brain that he was telling me. That, that's right, huh? Ooh. Well, yeah, I'd say with that frequency... Um, on a daily basis, yeah, we need to do something because the more and more seizures that we have, it can actually have what we call a kindling effect. So it actually makes it more likely for that next seizure to come on. So um, anti-seizure medicine, whatever the cause at this point um, of these seizures, I think is very much indicated. So I would get this baby on some. I'm assuming they'd probably start phenobarbital on the kitty. No. Um, what is that? Oh, it's an anti-seizure medicine. Do you know what they were going to start you with? Oh, no, I, you know what? I didn't even ask. Okay. I didn't yeah, even ask. I, I've been so worried about him. I was, you know. Yeah. He was that, throwing so much at me at one point, I couldn't even find any questions to ask him. You know? Oh, well, you know, the important things, you know, kitties, epilepsy does occur in, in cats, but in dogs we see it a good amount. In cats, there can also be some inflammation and infection causes for seizures that may not even be picked up by an MRI or a CT. So um, oftentimes I'll screen for infectious diseases like toxoplasmosis and FIP and other viral diseases. So uh, that might be something that's a non-invasive way to, to make sure we're heading down the right path there. But yeah, I, I think definitely with your kitty, I would make sure we get on some seizure medication. And um, if this was one seizure every six months, no, I wouldn't do that, and I, I don't think that's a, a duration or a frequency bad enough, but you're in a very special category, so yes, I, I would certainly see about uh, getting him on the medication and you know, get his quality of life up, because that that's really kind of distressing. You know, They don't hurt when they have seizures, but it's very confusing, and coming in and out of that um, can really affect their um, joie de vivre and, and their ability to be uh, happy, happy kitties, so... I would encourage it, definitely. Okay, then I will. Well, he told me it could be really harmful for his internally, um, internally 
And there are always some concerns when we are starting a long-term medicine, like a seizure medicine. So he's correct. And you want to watch things like their liver values and make sure that those are staying in check and that we're not having problems. But I wouldn't let the fear of those side effects in your situation hold you back from doing something that's going to be very important medically to help your kitty be comfortable. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan, host of the weekly CBS TV series, Lucky Dog. I'm also the spokesperson for the 10th annual Get Your Licks on Route 66 Pet Adoption Tour, brought to you by Fido Friendly Magazine. The tour travels from L.A. to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events. I'll be at the L.A. kickoff event on September 8th, along with some great pets that are available for adoption. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to find out where the tour stops near you. And who knows, you just might find your new forever friend. Hi, this is Joyce Hewitt on Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your animals. Thank you. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. By a show of hands, how many of you have a Kong? Oh, I do, I do. If you have a dog, chances are you have a Kong. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. You know, Kong has become a name just like Kleenex or Band-Aid. They're brand names that have become part of the vernacular for us. And, you know, you say, hey, go out and get a Kong for your dog. It may not actually be the Kong brand that you get. But everybody knows, but it what, knows you're what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So how was the Kong invented? It actually is a pretty cool story. And the inventor and owner of Kong is going to be joining us, Joe Markham, this hour. And uh, he'll tell you about this cool way that it was invented, how they figured <laughs> out this would be a great chewable toy for dogs. But you know what? Their harnesses are great, too. They do have a whole product line of, of great yeah, things. Yeah, they've but expanded. None as successful as the actual Kong toy there. So, uh, well, that's going to be fun talking to him. I've, it's gonna at least been a decade since he's been on the show. Uh, also, coming up next hour, we're going to be talking to a guy who studies brains. Don't get him too near me. Let me just say that right now. Oh, he wouldn't have anything to <laughs> work with. Work with, yeah. There you go. Hal. He has uh, he has determined the size of various animals' brains and their cognitive power. And you'd be very surprised to find out. If you're a cat lover, you may want to turn it off, turn the radio off. Because, what? Yeah. They don't fare well. In they the don't study? fare well in the study here. In fact, uh, raccoons fare better than cats. Oh, uh, those you know little what? boogers are smart. They are. They are. They actually yeah. fare better than dogs. They yeah, have more brains than dogs. Yeah, okay. So we're going to talk to this guy in just a few minutes, the brain expert, Josh Fishman. Is that his name? Yes. Jo- Josh Fishman. So stick around for that. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Well, you know, we as pet parents, apparently, according to a new survey, have big problems when it comes to going on vacations and just leading a normal social life. So... <laughs> I'll tell you how we compare to others coming up. That's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls first. Uh, Let's uh, go to Arnold. Hey, Arnold. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Where are you calling from today? Well, I'm actually in Newport Beach, California at the moment. How can we help you today? Okay, well, I'm in an RV, and I've driven up from Miami, and I've got a uh, a a two-and-a-half-year-old Ridgeback uh, mixed 
fill up from a shelter down there. And for the last about a little bit more than 24 hours now, his uh, he has his his bamboo. His stools are kind of like soupy. It's not water, but it's more of a consistency of mud. Mm, okay. And so I was concerned about it. He has no temperature that I know of. He's been eating his food regularly. He's been playing regularly. I take him out every morning under the beach. So he's been running and playing. So I don't see anything other than just the bowel movement being very uh, loose. Okay. Does he normally travel with you in the RV? We've been together for eight months. <laughs> okay. So he, so he's a seasoned RV traveler, you're saying? Absolutely. Okay, because that's an important thing, because I can tell you, I had mm-hmm. uh, family members that took their two dogs mm-hmm. out on an mm-hmm. RV trip, and the first trip was a horrible experience. Both dogs developed bloody diarrhea from the stress, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were so out of their element that it, it was just too much for them. So that's yeah. always something that I look at. Sure. When I drive, he, he lays right down by the well, and he's very calm, and like I said, this is not related to, I don't think it's related to that anyway, not from driving. Okay. Well, there are, other than stress, there are oodles of causes of diarrhea. So if nothing else really jumps out with a change in feeding regimen, um, water that he's drank out of any kind of natural source. Well, what giving... he does sometimes, you know, he, he grazes a little bit and he gets stuff off the ground sometimes, which mm-hmm. I try to avoid. But the other thing, um, he, I take him to the beach or the ocean and he drinks, sometimes he'll drink the salt water. Mm-hmm. That'll do it. That'll do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that salt water, it's a powerful osmotic. It will cause diarrhea, definitely. Some dogs never learn. (laughs) So, yeah, so all of those... All of those okay. things are certainly suspect. You know, if he's eating things or drinking a lot of salt water, that can definitely cause yeah. diarrhea. If we uh, don't have a lot of other real serious symptoms, we're not having a change in appetite, vomiting, and seeming in uh, pain, then it may not be anything we need to necessarily do anything for. You know, my simple solution for a dog with diarrhea that's just started mm-hmm. for 24 hours and nothing else has happened is really to take the food away and uh, make sure we can control everything that's going in his mouth and supervise him. So he really ought okay. not to be running the beach by himself. Um, keep up the water. Um, in some cases, I will use canned pumpkin, um, and that can actually be an effective tool for both diarrhea and you, for constipation. I missed that. Would you repeat that for me? Um, canned pumpkin, the kind without the and, spice. Um, and pumpkin. Like yeah. stuff that they put in a pumpkin pie? No, 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 no. Not that stuff, because I made that I mistake know. before. <laughs> I don't know what canned pumpkin is. You've lost yeah. it completely. Yeah, so there is canned pumpkins. There's the plain canned pumpkin and can, and then there's also the one that's got all the nutmeg and the cinnamon. You don't want the one that's spiced. Um, but the plain canned pumpkin, you can give that. For a large dog, I, I might give a tablespoon each each meal really? just to see okay. if that would help to solid up things. A uh, small dog, a maybe do a teaspoon. Well, I appreciate your uh, your time, and I appreciate you taking my call very much. Thank you. Thank you. We hope that works for you, Arnold. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to any one of the Dream Team right now. Of this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Their website's redbarninc.com, and thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. 
work overall. I am just thrilled about Animal Radio. Please, stay and neuter your animals. Please. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Lori Brooks. So how many times have you been to, say, Europe since you've had your pet? Because according to a new <laughs> wait, study... Wait, hold on. Of, you got to slow down. I know, you're still Everyone laughing. needs to laugh first, okay? Yeah. There's a new study out of about 2,000 Americans. Half of them have never traveled outside the country since they have had their pet. Not shocking, is it? But while one in two pet parents feel their international travel has been halted, as many as 33% say they will alter their travel plans because of their pets, and they prefer to travel now only within the United States. Now, the main reason pet owners struggle to take a vacation without their pet is likely due to the 68% of us who feel especially guilty when we have to leave our pets behind. This research confirms that for animal lovers, their pet really is part of the family. In fact, 84% said they view their pet on equal terms as a family member. And this is especially true for young people who are choosing pets instead of children, you know. Three in ten respondents said they arrange for a pet sitter to stay in their home while they're away so that their pets can stay happy in their own home environment. But it's not only vacations that are so difficult for we pet parents. Pet parents also attend fewer social events than those who do not have a pet. Now, in fact... The average pet owner misses out on 30 social events each year, which is why I'm going to just flat out tell you it should come as absolutely no surprise that pet owners also use their pet as an excuse to flake on social gatherings. (laughs) In fact, we do this so often, it's usually once a month or at least 12 times a year. Nearly one in five pet owners will attend a social gathering only to leave early so they can get back to their pet. Or use that as an excuse to leave early. Guilty. This is good, though, because I thought I was the only one, you know. But it's nice to hear everybody loves their pet so much that they they ruin their social lives. I felt the same way. I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. There's an animal shelter in Arlington, Virginia, that is helping a dying dog with cancer to live his best life. And this is such a sweet story. Their hopes are, of course, that a family is going to adopt Smoke, a 10-year-old hound, in the last weeks or months that he has left. But until that time, the shelter has created a bucket list for Smoke that is still growing. Already on the list, such things as, you know, of course, find a forever family, go on a hike, ride in a fire truck, eat ice cream, have a birthday party, ride in a police car, and howl along with the siren. Uh, Meet Santa Claus, get a full-body doggy massage, throw out the first pitch at a Nationals baseball game. Wait, 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 wait. How does a dog do that? How does a dog throw out a pitch? It doesn't matter. Now, the shelter is hoping that Smoke will, of course, be adopted, but they're also open to a hospice home 
where he would stay with a family until his condition gets too poor. But anyone who would like to help cross off an item from Smoke's Bucket List can email their shelter. It's uh, mail at awla.org, and we'll post that on our website, or you can contact them through their Facebook page. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. I got the hiccups, Judy. Uh, it's not a good thing to have during the show, Hal. Uh, I'll try to make it through this. Okay. A few more to do. I wanted to tell you, starting next month, Animal Radio kicks off a nationwide adoption drive. And every week we'll feature a cat or a dog that's looking for a home. We'll spotlight an adoptable animal in every Animal Radio city, including your hometown. And if you adopt one of our featured pets, we'll pay the adoption fees and set you up with a year's worth of pet food. And a goodie package, including toys and treats to get your adoption started on the right foot. You know what I mean? If you work at a shelter, now's the time to reach out to be included in this life-saving adoption drive. You can send us your email to yourvoice at animalradio.com. And, of course, you can always learn more over at animalradio.pet. There. No hiccups. I think I've scared (laughs) the hiccups away. Which is good, because it's just in time. The Kong, and, you know, when we talk about Kongs, it's one of those words that's become part of the vernacular you know when you talk about kleenex or band-aids it's a, it signifies now more than the brand by a show of hands how many here in in the studio have a con oh all of us do. everybody that has a dog okay yeah well pretty much you know what it is so i wanted to know a little more about the kong we have the top dog from kong joe markham joining us hi joe how are you doing Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's an honor and a pleasure. We appreciate it. Of course. So how did you come up with the Kong? Well, I can only take half of the credit for it. My dog, Fritz, who was a rock-chewing German Shepherd, actually um, brought what was a part of a Volkswagen suspension um, from underneath the workbench. He brought it over and dropped it on my foot. <laughs> and it is... Uh, he, I mean, I saw what he needed because we'd been we'd been on a quest for a long time because my my rock chewing dog was losing his teeth. He had about a third of his teeth already worn down. So he was a chewer, a big chewer, and you were working chewer. on a VW, and you he just came over with the part in his mouth, right? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, you know, motorcycle guys, which I was back then. Um, we didn't have a lot to do in the winter time, so we worked on a lot of Volkswagens because they were air cooled and um, very similar in a lot of ways with tools and things that we needed. So that was some parts left over from the winter work before, and Fritz went through them and found just what he was looking for. And so the shape of a Kong, as we know it, the traditional shape is actually like the suspension portion of a VW. Yes, a 67 VW bus has a strangely familiar-looking part uh-huh. on it now um, that resembles a Kong. Now, what he brought to me had a, a big metal bracket on it and everything because it mounted on the top of a transaxle to keep that thing from bumping against the frame. Um, but that's what inspired um, the initial Kong was, was that shape that 
I did pull the metal bracket off, of course, and gave it to him. He did prefer it better without the metal on it. But, of course. <clears throat> yes, indeed. But that kind of gave the inspiration to call him. That was about like 1970, to give you an idea how long ago that was. Now, about the name, I can take some guesses at the name, but uh, how did that come up? Okay, some friends of mine that um, wanted to invest in this new idea of a dog toy were all looking at it saying, what is that thing? What, what, what should we name it? And Beehive and some of these other names just didn't, it just didn't sound right. And the kid <clears throat> had just come from seeing the movie, the remake of King Kong, ah. said, ah, that ought to be the earplug for King Kong. Duh. <laughs> Well, it's a con for sure. It's strong like him. So that's where it came. And as it turned out, it wasn't trademarked in our class of trade. So we were able to secure that trademark. Yeah. And now it's huge. It's, it's worldwide. How many countries do you sell it in? Um, 82 and counting. You know, so we, we print now, I think, in 14 languages. How many do you think you've sold? We're trying to figure that out. You know, we, we run here in Golden, Colorado. We've got um, 14 presses. They're big, giant, 20-foot-tall rubber press-type things running, and they make about 700 pounds of Kongs a shift, running 24, pretty much 24-7. We're thinking it's close to $100 million. Wow. Holy moly. So, yeah. So for every dog in the world. Yeah. You know, I put peanut butter in mine for my dog, but what are some of the other ways that people are using the Kong? You know, we started off just throwing it. It was chase, catch, and chew. You throw it, you get them interested in playing with it, and it's a great toy like that on its own. However, all kinds of things have been put inside of Kongs, um, from dog food and spraying a little moisture on your dog food and putting it in there and freezing it, to um, whatever your dog's favorite treats are, putting them underneath some food inside of the Kong to um, stimulate them to find the, the most valuable treasure inside the Kong. Peanut butter, of course, is the standby. We have something we call Easy Treat, which is a kind of a takeoff on a spray, a real convenient um, spray that you can spray inside of it. And when I say spray, it comes out very, very slowly, um, but more like a, a liquid, the, the consistency of a liquefied peanut butter, if you will. Like cheese whiz. Very, yeah, like cheese whiz. There you go. <laughs> like cheese whiz. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show today and telling us about the origination of the Kong. I think it's, I think it's cool to finally find out where that little puppy came from. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what happened, and it was a blessing for all the dogs in the world, you know, at this point. So pretty cool stuff, and thank you for having us. If you want to learn more about Kong and anything you've heard on today's show, head on over to AnimalRadio.pet. We're going to go back to the phones for your calls next. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. 
Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinary near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. Are you thinking of getting a dog? Well, here's some things to think about before you do it. Firstly, are you out of the house a lot? Do you work all the time? Give the idea of getting a dog some thought if you're in that situation. I mean, put yourself in the dog's shoes. Imagine being locked up all alone all day with, well, nobody to play with. There are some dogs that like to lay around a lot and they're less active, but most dogs need exercise. They need playtime and interaction. Sometimes folks don't think about it, but dogs are living things and you can't turn them on and off when you want to like your TV. When you get one, you're making a major commitment to spend, oh, I don't know, the next 13 to 16 years of your life committed to a living thing, making sure it has a good life. I bring this up because a lot of folks go out and get dogs without actually knowing what they're in for and again education is your most powerful tool you should read up ask yourself why you want a dog and make a list of all the reasons then look your list over closely and if you still think you want a dog because you'd be a great dog parent and enjoy satisfying your dog's needs decide whether or not you want a puppy or an adult dog puppies have lots of needs they need exercise they need to be around lots of people and lots of other dogs they're learning about the world and it's up to you to show it to them plus you gotta potty train them teach them what not to chew on in fact you gotta teach them all the rules and ropes. Adult dogs usually are a lot less work and a lot more mellow too. In fact, it's possible to get a rescue dog or an adult dog that requires very little. Maybe just a good long walk every day and some affection. The one thing you don't want to do is bring a dog home and be in for lots of surprises, not know what to expect. You know, stuff like finding your favorite shoes chewed up or the drapes pulled down, carpet pulled up, door chewed up. (laughs) I've seen it all. You would not believe the destruction that a dog can do to your house. So before you get a dog... Think long and hard, make a list, and do a lot of research and reading so that you both can be happy. I'll tell you this much, there's nothing more rewarding than having a dog. They're incredibly loyal, they're always happy to see you, they never lie to you, and they give you unconditional love. This is Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. All right, we're going back to the phones, and I think I have a Linda on the line. Linda? Yes, hi. Hi, hi. I listen to your show every morning on the weekend. Thank you. Uh, I have awesome. a toy poodle. She's five years old. Um, I At first I thought it was um, food, you know, like allergic to corn. I tried everything. I tried wellness. I tried blue. I tried all the high market dog food, I, and she would have ball spots. I thought maybe okay, it could be the food. but Okay. And then on the little ball, ball spots, she has, like, little tiny sores on it, you know, like little scabby bleeding sores. Okay. I took her to the vet, and they they said that she just uh, has allergies, and they gave me Benadryl, and nothing, no remedy, just okay. the Benadryl. And okay. I was just wondering, is this typical of poodles? She's a toy poodle. She's uh, four and a half. And are these sores anywhere in particular on her body or just all over? Well, uh, one was under her chin. It healed and the, grew, the hair grew back. And now it's on her uh, backside of uh, on her tail. And, and is she itchy with these areas? Yes. She tries to, yeah, she itches and licks. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I can't say in general that this is typical for poodles, but we know that allergies can happen in pretty much any breed of dog. Um, and that can be also confused a lot of time with a lot of other skin conditions. So anytime I have hair loss or a pet that has sores on their skin, I like to get some sample from the skin surface because in many cases we can kind of jump on that bandwagon for allergies, treat for oh. allergies, and we can really miss some other things that might be going on. 
So some very simple, quick things that we can do in the office is looking under a microscope with some slides and uh, looking at the surface of the skin. In many cases, we may find they have, um, pets can have bacterial or yeast infections along with allergies. And, and you can treat the allergies, but if you don't treat those other problems, they just don't get relief. All right. um, not only that, but it can spread. So, so that's generally how I like to approach that to make sure we're tackling all the different problems that we might be having going on. And things like Benadryl, um, other antihistamines can help symptomatically, but they're not going to be super to help that hair loss itself. So we have to find a way to stop that pattern of licking and chewing, especially if there's self-damage self and self-destruction going on. So that might mean right. putting a cone on or using other medicines, um, other anti-itch preparations. But um, okay. there's a lot of directions we can go with shampoos as well. And, um, and again, I'll go back to the skin sampling thing because there's so many different products that I can put into my um, client's hands to empower them to manage some of these problems. But we really have to get some idea of what's going on in the skin surface to, to give right. you the, the right direction in that way. Sometimes it's an anti-allergy shampoo. Sometimes it's a antibacterial shampoo. And oh. we need to tackle those in different ways. So those would be some thoughts. The other thing is, you know, with any pet having skin problems and allergies, um, you know, we want to talk about making sure we're on a good quality diet um, and that um, we're potentially even supplementing fatty acids, which can be helpful to restoring some of the luster to hair coat and mm. can help in dryness and flakiness, things of those nature. So mm -hmm. quite, quite a few things we can try for that. I think we can, uh, you know, give it a whirl. All right. and, and see how that helps her out. How would I get to your sample? Uh, send in a sample? Or? The simplest way that we can uh, sample a pet skin is just in the veterinary office, a combination of things. One test would be called a skin scraping. And uh -huh. we just abrade, abrade the skin surface a little bit with a type of a, a, uh, instrument, and then we put that on a microscope slide. The other is a test called an impression smear. And we basically take the slide and squish it up against the, the pet skin, and that transfers the type of surface uh, bacteria and agents. And we uh, do certain tests on that under the microscope, look at that, and that's how we... So it's usually not something that requires sedation or surgery or anything like that. So these are quick, mm -hmm. down-and-dirty tests that we can do in the All vet right. office. Okay. Right. Um, Linda, you're going to have to head back to your vet to get that. Oh, oh, okay. Exactly, yeah. So if I didn't make that clear, yeah, that's something you can't do at home and you can't send the samples in. Oh. It's something that in the office they have to take. But so. we're working okay. on the technology right now. Soon, uh, maybe in the next <laughs> 10, 15 years, you can hold your pet up to the radio and we'll be able to know exactly what's going on with them. Linda, good luck good with idea. that. Thank you for okay. your call. Thank you for, thank you for your suggestions. Thank you very much for listening to Animal Radio, 1-866-405-8405. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut would teach her the true meaning of love. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor and a homeless cat without much hope of finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at HelenBrown.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. How smart is your cat? How smart is your dog? 
Which one is smarter? Yeah, there's been fights over the ages about this. Cat owners say, of course cats are smarter. Dog owners, I had a little New York accent there for a second. And dog owners, they say, well, damn straight, my dog is so much smarter than your cat. It can do tricks and it listens to me. Well, we're going to try to end the dispute today. We have scientist Josh Fishman joining us. He studied the brains and the brain sizes of cats and dogs and raccoons. You'll be surprised to find out what he's found out coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. The numbers are toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. We'll go to them in just a couple of seconds here. But first, a check of what's coming up in our newscast with Miss Lori Brooks. You've heard of the cat who caught the canary, right? Sure. Or who swallowed the canary. Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) But (laughs) what about the cat who actually saved the parakeet? There's a parallel there. And, I mean, this is a happy ending, so I'm going to share it with you guys. That's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls first. And let's yap with Bill. We have uh, Dr. Debbie. This this one's for you. Hey, Bill. All right. Hi. How you all doing? Great. Good. Great. Yes, uh, I'll call and I got two dogs. One's a lab beagle mix, seven years old. The other one's a Shih Tzu Maltese mix. She's also seven years old. Okay. My problem, and what's going my on? Problem is, well, they both seem to be having uh, uh, something with their with their skin, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The, the, the little Shih Tzu, she'll chew herself right raw toward her back end. And the lab doesn't chew herself raw, but she's constantly trying to bite herself, like, in her rear. And she always wants me to, when I'm home, she always wants me to be scratching her rear end. Okay. okay kind of now, that special uh, spot where you, you scratch and that back leg goes. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is, now, on her belly, the, on the lab, on her belly, she's got a little bit of a growth there toward her back, okay. uh, like in her pit there on the one back leg. Okay. But then she's got like uh, tags, skin tags, under both of her front legs. They don't seem to bother her. But it's this other, it's breaking out and this constant itch and carry on. And I call because the vet that I've used for 20 years just retired. Oh, okay. And, and the vets here, I live in, in upstate New York. And these people want a hundred dollars just to bring the dog in. Okay. Wow. And so, I have you tried any remedies as far as, um, at least with your previous veterinarian, to tackle this problem, or is this just a new onset of problem? No. What I've been doing is I've been bathing them when I get home because I'm I'm on the road all the time. But I bathe them, you know, with a, a dog shampoo. Okay. And, and then I've been using hydrocordone spray. Okay. That seems and how's that to help? help? It seems to help the itching a, a bit, although the lab, it doesn't help her butt at all. Mm, she just okay. goes nuts with that sometimes. And I remember the vet told me something about a, a gland just inside of her, of her butt. Sure, yeah. And he said okay. if you took, took and, and run your finger around that and cleaned it out or whatever, it would help. I'm scared yeah. to <laughs> I'm hurt. I don't blame you. You know, it sounds quite uh, unpleasant when we describe the, the anal gland expression process. Uh, yeah, but th- those glands are sitting you know, on either side of the anal area, and they definitely can cause problems where dogs will lick, scoot, drag their bottom. Right. And um, 
for for the best uh, health of your relationship with your dog, I recommend taking her either to a vet or a groomer and having that done. There are folks that do this at home, but you know, there's kind of that uh, what I call a breakdown in that bond. You know, like really, do you you got to do that to me, Dad? It's, it's just. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, that would be definitely something simple to have addressed and taken a look at. Now, in the area where you're at, with having both dogs with these symptoms, i got to say, vigilant flea control is going to be really very, very important. And even if you don't see fleas, you're in an area where I'd still worry about that. So if you haven't been using a regular product, I would consider using something, especially some of the different topicals that you can apply once a month. And one that we use pretty readily is Advantix 2, um, which has some nice sustained uh, protection. Um, you want to do that, but also make sure we're not missing some really serious medical problems. And it might be worthwhile to pick up that phone and call around, see if you can find a vet that's kind of more in your mindset and maybe your budget of what you, you want to have done. But I think it'll be real important to make sure these babies don't have something else going on, like other types of skin mites or a allergy or an infection that we need to be trying some different things. And the hydrocortisone spray is a great short-term fix, but if we really have a proven itch that continues despite that, then there's got to be some other ways that we get around that. And for me, I like to sample the skin. I like to look at what's on the surface of a critter. Um, So sometimes even just for a vet to get their eyeballs on a pet, it can make a big difference in giving you that direction if continuing down what you're doing is, is right or if we need to add in something else along the way but as far as like the anal glands gosh yeah you know any kind of butt scooting and licking that would be uh you know number one thing on my uh white glove uh, test <laughs> there yeah, and, and yeah. i'll always last because i sl- slap uh, that white glove on quite a bit here in my <laughs> office but you know these kind of gland things can be a real problem um and kind of a silent problem for many dogs where they may not even show symptoms so yeah i think it'd be worthwhile to get these babies into the vet there okay all right, thank you guys. I listen to you every Saturday. I wish you was on all the time. So, so do ah. we. So because <laughs> okay. we could be, we could buy yachts and mansions and all kinds of things if we were on all the time. <laughs> hey, listen, let us know if that works. If you have any problems, uh, give us a call back. If you uh, if you can't find a vet there, there's a good list over at animalradio.com. And okay. Shop around. Find a vet that you like and and one that fits your budget. Let them know because it's hard economic times for all of us. You know, they understand. I, I like. I like this vet that I had because he had horse uh, race horses. He did. Oh. Yeah, he owned race horses, and I used to go up to his farm all the time, you know, and and that's how he became acquainted with him. But you know, because him and I both love horses so much, horses and dogs. Horses and dogs. <laughs> what a good combination! Hey, thanks for listening. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to connect with the Dream Team right now. Hey, John, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Well, not much. Just driving through the farmlands in South Georgia right now. Are you OTR? Uh, you truck driver? No, no. I'm a, I'm a, I'm driving a pickup truck, but not a large truck. No, we're just visiting a friend out here on a on a farm. We're just going to visit. So what's going on? You got problems with your dog, I guess, or cat? No, I, my, my wife and I have been looking for a lab. We want to get a lab door, and we've been reading and seeing some dogs that are called apartment size labs, or one one outfit calls them canoe size. They're Somewhere between the 35 and 45-pound range. They're smaller than, I guess, a standard lab. And I didn't know if that was a particular breed or, or what. And I'm just trying to find out more information and see if you all knew anything about that. Well, you know, the, the one thing that 
it seems like every breed that I encounter, there's always a, a goal and an effort to make the mini one. <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there's always these like super mini breeds. Um, now, anything outside of what they call the breed standard uh, for the Labrador is still a Labrador, but it's just outside of the size and the weight standard. Um, but yeah, there are some folks that are striving to try to miniaturize uh, the Labrador because, you know, they like the lab and they're just looking for a smaller dog. Um, you, you know, I, it depends on what's important to you. Um, for me, I, I kind of like the the standard of what a, a Labrador is. Um, if you're just looking for a smaller dog, I, I, I actually look at some of the breed mixes that are out there. Um, yeah. you know, at the pound, there's some really wonderful lab mixes you can get that give you that smaller size, but you still get a lot of that quality and the character of the lab. Um, but it's basically kind of the same thing, but some breeders are kind of breeding smaller in an effort to try to, to get to that zone there. And actually in the Labrador Retriever, um, there is actually a dwarfism uh, gene. So that's a genetic defect. And sometimes when we're breeding for super small um, along that line, we can actually end up seeing that um, mutation come up. So um, unfortunately, I do know of some people that actually wanted a little um, lab, were looking specifically for it, and they got it. They actually got a, a dog that was a dwarf. Um, not necessarily where you want to go because there's there's bound to be other types of health problems when you do that kind of narrow focused breeding. Um, you know, I guess depends on, uh, like I said, depends on what you like. I have a small lab. She's 58 pounds. She's very lean. That's She's kind small? of small. She is. Holy moly. 58 is a small lab. Now, my other lab is, you know, 78, 85 pounds, but he's all muscle. And and they're very different. They come from different lines. My female comes from a hunt trial line. And, you know, this is the typical, even some of the males were just a little bit larger than that. Um, so a lot, if you look at what the people are breeding, what the size of the animals are through many generations, and then even, you know, if you like little dogs, females generally are about 10 to even 20 pounds, sometimes lighter than the males in the same litter. So that, that may be one way you get a littler uh, pup as well. Well, so just be careful with the breeder and maybe look at the female breed and be better off that, that route. Go over to where they are because, you know, there's some breeders that say, I'll meet you down at Walmart. If they say that, <laughs> not a good breeder. And, and I have okay. to say, the, the, the Internet-derived dogs, sometimes you can get some, some fine dogs, but, um, you know, there are certain lists on the Internet that I won't say what the lists are, but sometimes there's a lot of lemons that come out of those lists. Okay. Thank, thanks good, for the help. Good luck with that, John. Send us pictures when you get your dog. We want to sure see. Will. Okay. Aren't uh, mutts healthier, Dr. Debbie? You know, in general, yeah, there's something called hybrid vigor, and it's the idea that when you mix two extreme genetic selections and you mix them together, you actually hopefully get good of the good of both breeds, and you're diluting out the bad of both breeds. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to that. It's not always a precise science, but uh, I'm a fan of mutts. Ever since I got Foss, I'm, I'm totally sold on the little mongrels. one 405 You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Can we get a fresh sweep here? The last sweep we have goes like this. This is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your animals. I've had it done to me. It's not that rough. <laughs> We've run it into the ground. We need something fresh. Oh, really? I didn't... I don't... Re- spay <laughs> That was pretty funny. Can you uh, can you do something that's different? Yeah, yeah. Hi, this is Fred Willard on Animal Radio, and I, I'm I'm begging you, spay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll play. I'll roll over and play dead if you want, but do it. 
We caught up with Dr. John Howe, Certified Aquatic Veterinarian at the American Veterinary Medical Association Convention in Denver. Dr. Howe does surgery on fish. We take them out of the water, we put them in a bath that has the anesthetic in it, and we set them on a form so they're laying in the position we want them to, and we run a tube with water being pumped out of the anesthetic water into their mouth, flowing over the gills, so that keeps them anesthetized. There's more at avma.org. That's avma.org. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. And for years, cat owners and dog owners have been battling over the simple concept of who is smarter, the cat or the dog. And uh, some of you may have your guesses. See, I've had both in, in the same species. I've had cats that were smart and cats that weren't quite so smart. And same thing with dogs. I've mm-hmm. had dogs that weren't the brightest and some that were really intelligent. Yeah. Well, that's just like humans. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got the Kardashians. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and who's on What's the opposite? Saying, look at us in this room. <laughs> yes, Al. <laughs> Thanks, Lori. <laughs> well, this guy that we're going to be talking to this hour, Josh Fishman, he's uh, he studies brain size. Well, he studies brains, and in particular, he studied brain size of uh, raccoons and cats and dogs and bears and humans. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> And he found out that, yes, indeed, dogs may hold some more intelligence than cats, significantly. And so if you're a cat lover, you, you may be shocked to hear that. And uh, I'll give you a fair warning. You may want to turn the station right now. Go to another station or something. Because, and I'm a cat lover, and I'm a little bit offended by this. I'll tell you that right now. But we're going to find out. If size matters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what Dr. Debbie said right there, and that's coming up you in just a few it. minutes right here on Animal Radio. Thank you for saving me on that one. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? You know, the Internet is known for cat photos, right? The Internet was made for cats. But uh, what all those cats are giving away free to the whole wide world, we'll tell you. Okay, I'm sticking around for that. Dr. Debbie, you ready to take some calls? Yeah, let's do it. Are we going to line seven? Yes. Okay. And we have Bill there. Hey, Bill, how are you doing? Hey, pretty good. Uh, got a question for you. I have a 12-pound little, like a Morky mix dog, uh, and uh, about uh, last Sunday, not this Sunday, uh, this just passed, but uh, yesterday, but the week before that, I noticed it started uh, throwing up a white uh, foamy substance with a little bit of yellow in there, and it looks like, a, for instance, like a bubble bath. You make a bubble bath and uh, bubbles and stuff, uh, or soap, uh, just a bunch of foamy... Uh, material and there's no food in there at all just that uh bubbles white and there's a little bit of yellow and uh the dog hasn't changed uh it's still uh eating good and it's uh, got plenty of energy uh the only thing uh about four times on different days i noticed that uh i see uh some of that white uh foamy stuff uh, i caught it uh so uh i'm not sure if it uh, needs to go to the vet for sure or it's got some kind of a, just a stomach issue uh, maybe you can help me out on that a little bit Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, was having a little trouble hearing. How long has the vomiting been going? That's more than one day, right? Yeah, it's about a week, four times I've noticed uh, since last Sunday, not this Sunday, but yesterday, but the week before that, they started doing it. Uh, 
like every two days or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. I'd notice it. But just a foamy substance and then uh, no food coming out of there, just yellowish a little bit, but mainly white and uh, with a little tint of yellow. And uh, uh, nothing's okay. changed. I think uh, I'm not 100% sure, but the dog uh, may have eaten some bird food. Uh, you know, those bird food that you can buy that's all glued together. It's like, it looks like a bell. It's for birds and they. Uh, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. stick on it and eat it. Uh, I found some of that in the house after the tail off the uh, line and uh, they drug it into the house and they may have eaten that, but I'm not 100% sure if they did, if he did or not. You know what I mean? Okay. And is the doggy eaten, um, eaten regularly now or do you have a good appetite? Yes. Everything's the same. Uh, it, it's got plenty of energy. Uh, you can't tell the difference. Uh, uh, nothing else has changed that I noticed. It's uh, eating good and they're running around and playing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the uh, foam issue. Uh, I was going to yeah. go to the bed this afternoon, but uh, might as well talk to you guys and see mm-hmm. if that's a common issue sometimes or what do you guys think? Well, I definitely think anytime we have vomiting that's occurring over a, a more lengthy period of time. Now, if you were just to say this vomiting happened once, one day, yeah. maybe the next, and it was over, you know, I might be more apt to dismiss it if everything else yeah. was going well and we're eating, we're running around, the poops are normal. But, you know, over a week's period of time, if we still have kind of chronic intermittent vomiting, I, yeah, I, th- I think we need to take a look at it. And okay. there certainly are possibilities from anything from parasites to foreign bodies to, you know, infections, you name it. And, and it does, you know, have me a little concerned about some of those, uh, you know, those bird seed things that are kind of glued together and all of that. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. that can act like a mass effect, um, just like, you know, even like a nub of a rawhide bone or even like um, an yeah. edible bone. They can still cause um, digestive upset. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea to see the veterinarian and if there's any concern or that there's nothing else going on in there. Yeah, I'll definitely go see the vet this afternoon. But have you ever seen that just the white, uh, uh, foamy, bubbly stuff before like that uh, in your experience? Yeah, the I mean the white foam definitely that can be just a, a kind of a combination of saliva, mucus, and then uh-huh. the yellow tends to kind of fall more in line with gastric acids, bile, yeah. that kind of thing. So if uh-huh. we've got a combination of those things, yeah, it doesn't necessarily narrow it down. Yeah. For me, yeah. it, what what does really become important is it, you've done a great job of describing that, and that is important as we think of things that could be or could not be. Yeah. So if uh-huh. I hear yellow, then I think, you know, that's really coming from the digestive tract because there are dogs that will cough or gag up foam and that's actually can come from their respiratory tract so it is important to really describe that and and also to describe whether or not the pet is actively heaving and dry heaving before they bring up the stuff or if they just kind of go and comes right out of their mouth Uh so yeah okay sounds good uh thanks for your help i appreciate it okay take care of yourself 1-866-405-8405 it's toll free to the dream team here at animal radio you're listening to animal radio Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Hey, hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. 
Here are the automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. Toyota may stop importing certain models if the government imposes tariffs on foreign cars. Tariffs could add 10 to 25% on the cost of a new car. Toyota's reaction may be to increase the price of new cars to cover the costs or just stop importing some models that don't make sense. So what Toyota cars are built outside the US? The RAV4, the Prius Range, CHR, Land Cruiser, Mirai, Forerunner, and the entire Lexus lineup. They could all be subject to price hikes or cancellations. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. i got to tell you, this first story really blew me away when I first read it. Your cat, it seems, could be giving away your home address. Actually, it could be your dog or anything, but identity theft has been a really big concern of ours for years. And now, those photos that you post of your pet could lead strangers, we find out, straight to your front door. Because the metadata that is hidden beneath all of those cute photos you post of your dogs and cats actually includes your geolocation. And one website, IKnowWhereYourCatLives.com is the name of it. IKnowWhereYourCatLives.com actually highlights exactly that, where your cat lives. Because they just do cats. But they took the metadata from many cat photos off of Instagram and compiled a visual map of where these cat photos were taken. It was too real. So I got to tell you now, how do you turn off location services for photos that you take on your phone? Uh, On iPhone, you simply go to settings, then privacy, location services, camera, and instead of clicking use the app, or they already have it clicked for you pretty much, click never. If you have an Android phone, go to the camera settings, and then location tags, and make sure it is turned off. Mm. I'm going to put those directions over at the website, too, if you missed it, if you need a, a refresher course yeah. on that. I went straight to my phone after I read it, too. Um, a parakeet, which was missing for six weeks, has finally been reunited with its owner after a cat brought it home, pretty much. The bird's owner had almost given up hope of ever seeing her her parakeet, or budgie, Rosie again after she had escaped from her home. However, a cat living about a mile away brought the parakeet into its house and to his humans. He had managed to catch it, and then the parents caught it inside their home, and they took it to a local vet. A Facebook post alerted Rosie's owner to check the vet's office, and sure enough, there she was. The bird had been living outside on her own and feeding herself, until that very proud cat got her, took her into his home to show his family. You know how happy they get to show you those things. <laughs> but uh, Rosie is back home now and doing well. But apparently this cat thought he was the cat's meow because he was so proud of this bird. I, I don't know if he could see the colors or what, but he was apparently pretty excited by it. <laughs> he didn't harm it, huh? No, no. They got it before he did. Uh, the Kardashians are known for many, many things. Among them, their hair, right? Now the lady behind all of the Kardashian hair, celebrity stylist Jen Atkin, is giving the world access to the secret ingredients that make the Kardashians' hair all glossy and glamorous. She's now selling a pet shampoo from Way, 
Way is spelled, by the way, O U A I, hair care products. The pet shampoo sells for $28 a bottle on their website. I thought that might be kind of expensive for a lot of people, too. It is for me. But if it sounds like a lot, you'll appreciate that Way has partnered with Lisa Vanderpump's Dog Foundation, and they're donating 15% of proceeds from pet shampoo sales to the Vanderpump Dog Foundation. But if you have a bald dog or cat, I guess, I don't know, maybe it'll grow Kardashian-like hair. (laughs) I don't know. But, I mean, it's a good idea. For a Kardashian. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, it's obvious cats are much smarter. They they opt not to speak English or become the servant or the master of any person. Oh, wait a minute. My dog is much smarter because he can listen to me and follow my directions and do tricks and just understands me before I even think something. They know what I'm thinking. Yeah. Cats, yeah. cats are smart enough, to know, to, though, to kind of make that decision for themselves. That's what I'm know? saying. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Well, the, the fight continues in studio and probably all across the country. We've started it all up again. The age-old question, are cats or dogs, which one is smarter? On the phone with us, senior editor of Scientific American, Josh Fishman, is joining us. He's actually just written an article on this very topic called Battle of the Brains. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hi, guys. You sound like you're arguing like cats and dogs. <laughs> and you know what? You're going to be the uh, you're going to be the guy who's going to you know put an end to this whole age old argument. Oh, I don't think I'll put an end to it, but maybe I'll I don't know keep fuel onto the fire. Okay, sure. So in your article, you talk about the actual neurons that these animals have and how many they have. Right. And does so, that does that correlate to brain size? Or smartness, intelligence? It, well, those are two different questions. Okay. It does correlate to brain size. It does not really correlate to smartness because kind of, what is smartness? And you guys are having this argument in the studio about my cat does a certain kind of behavior and my dog does a different kind of behavior. And one of those things makes one of these animals smarter than the other. And that's exactly why scientists undertook this research. They thought, well, we're not going to be able to settle this with subjective definitions of what is smartness, but we can count cells. And we can particularly count the brain cells that are in the part of the brain that does complicated thinking. It's called the neocortex. Let's go ahead and count them. There's a uh, neuroscientist at Vanderbilt University named Susanna Herculana Housel who decided that she actually had a way of doing this. And how do you count cells? (laughs) Well, you take brains and you turn them into kind of soup. Uh, Sorry, (laughs) but (laughs) science is messy sometimes. So what she did did was she figured out a methodology where you take the brain 
and you cut away the neocortex, that outer little line, and you put it in essentially a blender, and you turn it into soup. And it looks a little bit like unfiltered apple cider, I'm told. Unfiltered? Uh, oh, that's that's good. I just won't have that anymore. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. Once you turn this into a liquid, you can put a molecular probe in that acts kind of like a very specific fish hook that only grabs neurons. Then you can just count the neurons, and once you count the neurons, you can compare that count to other animals. And so she did a cat, she did a dog, a mutt, uh, a raccoon, a human, a yeah. bear. And you want to know what the results are? Yeah, I want to know at least the top five there. What uh, I assume the human comes in first, right? Right. The human comes in first. So the count of neurons in the neocortex for humans, humans about 16 billion. But among those animals that I just named, the one that comes in after humans? Yeah, well, that would probably be uh, the cat, right? The dog. That would be the dog. Yay! That would be wow. the dog with 429 million, million neurons. The cat has about, almost half that, huh. 250 million. Uh, and where did the raccoon place? So raccoons are interesting. Raccoons are fascinating. The raccoons have 438 million neurons, so that's more than a dog, but they have it packed into a cat-sized brain, which is half the size of a dog, which, if you've ever tried to keep a raccoon out of your garbage can, <laughs> you totally <laughs> will understand this, right? Yeah. yeah and I... what comes in also as a surprise, given how big they are and how big their brains are, is a bear. A bear has 250 million neurons, and its brain is 220 grams, which is, oh, I don't know, like seven times the size of a dog. Wow. So when Winnie the Pooh talked about being a bear of very little brain, <laughs> he was telling the truth. <laughs> And bears seem to get by largely upon brawn. Mm. You know, they seem to go with hibernating and just being very opportunistic. You know, I've seen, there's this great webcam of um, a national park up in Alaska. I can't remember the name that shows It's on explore.org. Yes, it is. Yes, you know it's a great about? site. Yes, I do. So, like, you and see they the stand... bears just standing in the middle of the waterfall watching the salmon yeah. drop, jump into their mouths? Ah. Yes. So it doesn't take a lot of brains to do that. But if you actually have to go and figure out where to find the salmon and catch them, maybe bait a hook, um, I would rather have a raccoon brain. I'd rather have a dog brain. We're going to take a quick break. We are with Josh Fishman. He's the senior editor at Scientific American Magazine. We're talking about brain size, and uh, especially as it pertains to our cats and dogs. We'll be back. 
Here are today's automotive news headlines, I'm Nick Miles. He was expected to be the head of Fiat Chrysler Automobiles at some point in the future, but Englishman Mike Manley is now settling into the role early after the deterioration of the health of Sergio Marchioni. Manley, 54, has been one of Marchioni's close collaborators at Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and in the previous role had responsibilities for product planning and sales activities outside North America. He has been head of the Jeep brand since 2009 and ran truck brand since 2015. For more, go to ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our smart animals. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. How smart is your dog? How smart is your cat? Which one is smarter, huh? Josh Fishman is joining us. He's the senior editor of Scientific American, and he has said, well, as far as neuron size, the dog actually has almost twice as many neurons as the cat. Now, he's also prefaced this with saying that doesn't necessarily mean that they're smarter. Is that right? That's right. There are lots of different kinds of smartness. Like, there's physical smartness. Um, There's emotional smartness. There's mathematical smartness. Um, There is some evidence. There's some studies have been done showing that dogs are better able to hold problems in their working memories and solve them than our cats. And that is one reason why you see dogs looking for explosives in airports um, and dogs as um, assistance animals. Uh, there are very, very few assistance cats, I think. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. So it's just really <laughs> impossible to train a cat like you train a dog. It's not that they don't want to do it. It's just it may, not, it may be beyond their mental capacity. It might be. Nobody has actually answered the beyond the mental capacity question. But now that we have numbers on the neuron, we can start looking at that and going, well, how many neurons do you need to solve these kinds of problems? Where does uh, Kardashian fit in on the chain? Are they below the... uh, (laughs) No... I just... I'm going to totally let you pick a number for that one. Hey, I have a question, Josh. I just want to make sure that I've got this right. So it's um, when it comes to the most brain cells or like who would be the smartest because they've got more neurons, humans are first, right? And then is it dogs, raccoons, bears, and cats? Well, the raccoons seem to come in second as yeah. far as uh, oh. neurons. Yeah. Rac- so okay, so it's... You're... Just looking at the count, it's humans first by a mile. Then raccoons, then dogs, tied with the cats are the bears. Well, Ro Ro is disappointed with I'm sorry, Ro. Well, you know, it's just like people. I'm sure some people are smart. Some people are not so smart. They have great hearts. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's (laughs) The article is great. Where can we see it? We can see it in the July issue of Scientific American, and you can go to siam.com, that's S-C-I-A-M dot C-O-M, and see it online. We've got, we've got a lovely graphic showing you all this. Which is good and for me. I love really, pictures. Really cute. 
picture of a dog and a cat. Yeah, I love the pictures. I'm I'm, I'm a picture guy. That's that may speak to the uh, amount of neurons that yeah. I have. No, but you got to have a big heart, Hal. I do have a big heart. <laughs> we'll put links to everything Josh was talking about over at AnimalRadio.pet. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. Josh Fishman, the senior editor of Scientific American, and an interesting article. Go check it out. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Mel. Welcome to the show. Hi there. What's going on? Uh, we have a chinchilla. Uh, it's oh, probably about cool. 10 years old, and she's pretty much stopped chewing on things like she normally used to. Mm. Okay. And it looks like her teeth are getting a little longer. Mm, okay. uh, she she does still eat, you know, like her regular food and hay. But, uh, you know, she's drooling a lot and seems to be drinking a lot more water. Ooh, okay. She is drooling, so she's getting a little stained on her face with that? Yep. Yeah, and I don't know uh, if it's just because of the way she's drinking and drinking a much. It seems like a lot more. Okay. All right. Now, normally people with rodents would say, oh, my God, they chew a lot already. So it's good when they don't chew. Um, but in this situation, especially since you were describing that she's having drooling, gosh, um, I'd say the number one thing we need to do is a good dental exam on her. Um, the front teeth, the incisors are one thing, but the back teeth, the molars and uh, chinchillas as well as rabbits can really be a huge problem. They are continually growing and they continually wear the opposing teeth down. Um, if they start to get little spikes and overgrow in aspects, that creates cheek pain or it can even entrap the tongue. Um, so it can be quite serious. And um, if we're giving up on some of those chewing items or some of the different hay items, uh, those are some of the first signs that I say that we need to get a good look inside that oral cavity and, and evaluate those teeth. Um, many chinchillas do need to have their teeth trimmed. Um, so um, getting a good look is part of it. Um, and then doing any kind of uh, uh, dental care that we might need to trim the teeth or, heaven forbid, if there's any bad ones that are actually uh, creating abscesses, then extracting those, surgically extracting those would be the way to proceed there. But uh, I'd say definitely the first thing I would do is get a good look inside that mouth and, uh, you know, make sure your veterinarian's comfortable looking at chinchilla mouths because um, they are a little interesting little critters and they got a lot of crooked little teeth in that mouth and it can be um, it can be very overwhelming if, uh, if they're not comfortable with that. Got it. They're soft, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They do make love out of them. <laughs> they do make love oh, out of them. No. <laughs> oh, no. Not this one. What is, their no. No- what is their normal lifespan, Dr. Debbie? You know, actually, your baby sounds like we're already pretty much in the in the older years of uh, chinchillas. So, yeah, I do see them living 8, 10, 12 years. Um, certainly uh, hope that your baby sees many more years beyond that. Thanks for your call today. Geez, I am just so amazed at how fast time flies during this show. Once again, it has ended. Another but one gone? Do not fear. If you need a fix during the week, you can head on over to animalradio.pet. Or you can download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Take it wherever you go. It'll also give you recall information. So if there's ever a recall on foods or anything that affects your pets, you'll have a notification delivered right to your phone. So cool. It's free. Download it now from your app store. Have yourself a great week. Bye. I'm going to go take my smart dog for a walk. (laughs) Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.